Chapter Ten of the Flight of the Shadow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Flight of the Shadow by George MacDonald. Chapter Ten. Once more a secret. One day in June, I had gone into the garden about one o'clock. Whether with or without object, I forget. I had just seen my uncle start for Wittenage. Hearing a horse's hoofs in the lane that ran along the outside of the wall, I looked up. The same moment the horse stopped, and the face of his rider appeared over the wall, between two stems of yew and two great flowers of purple lilac, in shape like two perfect bunches of swarming bees. It was the face of a youth of eighteen, and beautiful with a right manly beauty. The moment I looked on his face, I fell into a sort of trance. And that is, I entered for a moment some condition of existence beyond the ramparts of what commonly we call life. Love at first sight it was that initiated the strange experience. But understand me, real as what immediately followed was to the consciousness there was no actual fact in it. I stood gazing. My eyes seemed drawn, and drawing my person toward the vision, isolate over the garden wall was the face, the rest of the man and all the horse were hidden behind it. Betwixt the yew stems and the two great lilac flowers, how heart and brain are yet filled with the old scent of them. My face, my mouth, my lips met his. I grew blind as with all my heart I kissed him. And then came a flash of icy terror, and a shudder which it frights me even now to recall. Instantly I knew that but a moment had passed, and that I had not moved an inch from the spot where first my eyes met his. But my eyes yet rested on his. I could not draw them away. I could not free myself. Helplessness was growing agony. His voice broke the spell. He lifted his hunting cap and begged me to tell him the way to the next village. My self-possession returned, and the joy of its restoration drove from me any lingering embarrassment. I went forward, and without a faltering tone, I believe, gave him detailed directions. He told me afterwards that himself, in a state of bewildered surprise, he thought me the coolest young person he had ever had the fortune to meet. Why should one be pleased to know that she looked quite different from what she felt? There is something wrong there, surely. I acknowledge the something wrong, but do not understand it. He lifted his cap again and rode away. I stood still at the foot of the lilac tree, and from a vapor condensed not to stone, but to a world in which a new flora was about to be developed. If no new spiritual sense was awakened in me, at least I was aware of a new consciousness. I had never been to myself what I was now. Terror again seized me. The face might once more look over the wall and find me where it had left me. I turned and went slowly away from the house, gravitating to the darkest part of the garden. What has come to me, I said, that I seek the darkness? Is this another secret? Am I in the grasp of a new enemy? And with that came the whirlwind of perplexity. Must I go the first moment I knew I could find him, and tell my uncle what had happened, and how I felt? 
or must i have and hold and cherish in silent heart a thing so wondrous so precious so absorbing had i not deliberately promised of my own will and at my own instance never again to have a secret from him was this a secret was it not a secret the storm was up and went on the wonder is that in the fire of the new torment i did not come to loathe the very thought of the young man which would have delivered me if not from the necessity of confession yet from the main difficulty in confessing i said to myself that the old secret was of a wrong done to my uncle and that what had made me miserable then was a bad secret the perception of this difference gave me comfort for a time but not for long the fact remained that i knew something concerning myself which my best friend did not know it was and i could not prevent it from being a barrier between us yet what was it that i was concealing from him what had i to tell him how was i to represent a thing of which i knew neither the name nor the nature a thing i could not describe could i confess what i did not understand the thing might be what in the tales i had read was called love but i did not know that it was it might be something new peculiar to myself something for which there was no word in the language how was i to tell i saw plainly that if i tried to convey my new experience i should not get beyond the statement that i had a new experience it did not occur to me that the thing might be so well known that a mere hint of the feelings concerned would enable any older person to classify the consciousness i said to myself i should merely perplex my uncle and in truth i believe that love in every mind in which it arises will vary in color and form will always partake of that mind's individual isolation indifference this however is nothing to the present point comfort myself as i might that the impossible was required of no one and granted that the thing was impossible it was none the less a cause of misery a present disaster i was aware and soon my uncle would be aware of an impenetrable something separating us i felt that we had already begun to grow strange to each other and the feeling lay like death at my heart our lessons together were still going on that i was no longer a child had made only the difference that progress must make and i had no thought that they would not thus go on always they were never for a moment irksome to me i might be tired by them but never of them we were regularly at work together by seven and after half an hour for breakfast resumed work at half-past eleven our lessons were over but although the day was then clear of the imperative much the greater part of it was in general passed in each other's company we might not speak a word but we would be hours together in the study we might not speak a word but we would be hours together on horseback for this day then our lessons were over and my uncle was from home this was an indisputable relief and yet the fact that it was so pained me keenly for i recognized in it the first of the schism how i got through the day i cannot tell i was in a dream not all a dream of delight haunted with the face i had seen and living in the new consciousness it had waked in me i spent most of it in the garden 
now in the glooms of the yew walks and now in the smiling wilderness it was odd however that although i was not expected to be in my uncle's room at any time but that of lessons all the morning i had a feeling as if i ought to be there while yet glad that my uncle was not there it was late before he returned and i went to bed perhaps i retired so soon that i might not have to look into his eyes usually i sat now until he came home i was long in getting to sleep and then i dreamed i thought i was out in the storm and the flash came which revealed the horse and his rider but they were both different the horse in the dream was black as coal as if carved out of the night itself and the man upon him was the beautiful stranger whose horse i had not seen for the garden wall the darkness fell and the voice of my uncle called to me i waited for him in the storm with a troubled heart for i knew he had not seen that vision and i could no more tell him of it then could christabel tell her father what she had seen after she lay down i woke but my waking was no relief end of chapter 10